Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Daily Show. We were just chatting about our walk-up songs. I think it's very important that instead of telling me where you're calling in from today, I would love to see your walk-up song in the chat, right? I feel like this is a must-have. Must-have moment. If you're just joining in, throw your walkout music. Like if you could pick one song to represent you, put it in the chat for us. Today's really special. Uh, you know, we've been doing this show for quite some time, but today is the one year anniversary of the daily show from when we switched from going a couple days a week to every single day. I want to give a huge shout out to our team behind the scenes, like everyone who makes this happen. Just like a quick little plug, though, um, we did 230 shows in the last year. We had 205 unique guests, but my favorite part 140,000 sellers have tuned in to watch The Daily Show. So big um, thank you to all of you for making this possible. And also big shout out to the team uh, at Sell Better and The Daily Sales Show behind the scenes, making everything fabulous happen. So if you're new here, we do a show every day. Scan it on the screen or go to sellbetter.xyz and happy anniversary. Whoop, whoop. Another huge thank you to our partners, uh, Zoom Info sponsors. Today's show, they're making it happen. I have a really cool code. If you are not using Zoom Info, check out the chat. You'll see a code. You can get a free trial there um, and a whole bunch of information. Let me know if you have questions beforehand. I use Zoom Info daily. So happy to happy to chat through that with you. But today, we're here to talk about our walkout music in the chat, but also to talk about cold calling. And I feel like this has been a little bit of a hot topic. So we brought in uh, your double dose of Leslie with the wonderful Leslie Vinettes and the fantastic Elmer Lopez from Zoom Info. We're chatting about cold calling. You guys, it's spicy. You want to do like a quick hot take on cold call? Is it dead? Leslie, is cold calling dead? Only if you're bad at it. <laughs> Only you heard it here first. Elmer. <laughs> hey, you said hot take. Hot take. <laughs> L times three show. We gotta have lots of hot take. No, I agree. I agree with that. A hundred percent. I would say L cubed, but I think that's inaccurate math. So I L times three, you know. Yeah, because Elmer, L, I think we can pull her out. <laughs> yeah, right. We're yeah. starting a band. We're actually going to cover all of the walkout songs that get put in the chat. So get ready for that. Works for me. Um, today's agenda. Just a quick overview. I really like uh, Cold Calling Will Never Die, Will, in the chat here. I feel like we need t-shirts for our band. We're going to chat about quality versus quantity first, dive into some tactics and some openers that are working from Elmer and from Leslie and then we're going to just talk about some oh, phrases that you can use to continue the conversation to keep 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 people engaged and to actually book that next step. You guys feel ready? Everybody and everyone in the chat right. ready? Um, if you could do me a favor and switch your chat settings to everyone, there's that little blue box there. Switch your chat settings to everyone so we can all see all of your walkout songs. And then also, um, if you have any questions for Leslie and Elmer, stick them in the Q&A little button at the bottom down there. 
that way that doesn't get lost in in all the chat here. But tell me, Elmer, quantity of calls or quality of calls? Is it how many you make or is it like how good it is? Give us your give us your thoughts here. All right. So I've made a few posts about this on LinkedIn and obviously the cold calling topic can get uh can get the people going for sure. Um one thing that I did realize when I was cold calling as an SDR, I was just doing full on quantity. I wasn't focusing on quality at all. I had like a power dialer for a bit. I was doing like a thousand cold calls a week, which was uh, a ridiculous amount. I wasn't getting much return from it, right? The thing was that I did realize after making that LinkedIn post is you could do both. You could do a little bit of quality and you could do quantity at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Make it relevant do some higher quantity from there and you should be able to book more meetings in that sense. And that's kind of what I do now as an AE, but now as an AE, there's a lot more quality involved. Uh, once you're booking people who have already met with you in the past or like cold, closed loss reports or anything like that, you're kind of booking meetings pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And it like has evolved as you changed roles. Leslie, anything that you would add to that? Yeah, I think that the uh, quality versus quantity is really a false dichotomy. Like we should not be doing only one or the other. That's a terrible strategy. I believe it all boils down to owning your territory, whether or not you're an AE SDR. If you, if you are outbounding, you need to own your own territory in a very strategic way, which might mean taking out some of your key accounts and having a higher quality focused, more intensive strategy for those. But for most of your accounts, the play is to go with a deep segmentation. So you are very confident about the relevance and the value to the person you're calling. And maybe only 58 people or 112 people are on your list. That's 58 people that you can bang through on the phone with an almost identical call up or impact statement. So it's more about like the planning up front and trying to put people in categories or tiers that's going to set you up for success for that quantity game, if that's what you need. Correct. And of course, always centering them in the messaging instead of yourself, because that's the entire point of doing that type of deep segmentation to have a ton of clarity about what matters to them and why it would be worth it for them to answer your call and speak to you yeah great point since we're since we're here i would love to see who's in the room i just put a poll up let us know what role you're in if you're not listed here tell us in the chat what role you're in Um, because i think that plays a big part into that conversation right what uh, maybe what is expected of you in your role based on where you're at what title you hold what department you're in all of the above right yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if anybody is a player coach as well, which I think is the hardest of all of these roles to be. And I wonder if anybody's trying to balance that. Maybe the guy that put in um, that his favorite show that his walk up song was Bear Sweet Symphony by the Burb is a player coach that you're just going on a limb with that one. I'm just going on a limb. Paul, let us know. That position definitely matters, though, because if you think about it, those SDRs, they probably have a lot more, well, not even probably when I was an SDR, I just felt the pressure of trying to book more meetings and you're just like, 
uh, I just need to get in there and just do some dials. I just need to go in there and do some dials, right? But as an AE, you're like, okay, I just need to close more deals. Let's find some quality plus the quantity. Uh, that should do it for me. But I think I realized that a little too late because I should have been doing that as an SDR as well. Uh, so if SDRs that are in here, before it's too late, look at both quality and quantity. I think it is the best way to go about it. And like Leslie was saying, categorizing those people within to like specific sequences or whatever makes it nice and easy, right? People who are in closed loss reports, hey, like uh, I noticed you checked us out in the past, uh, our prices have changed or something like that. Uh, these new things have implemented. Are you interested in talking again or something like that, right? It's not going to be that exact framework, but something along those lines. And it'll be completely different for someone with fully cold, someone different for like something that has like buyer intent in it, but along those lines for sure. Yeah, I like it. We had quite a bit of SDR BDRs in the room, almost 50% of the room today. So you know what we mean, you know how we feel and it's that balance and how can you bring both into play, especially if you have a metric that you have to meet, whether it's booked meetings or dials or whatever that looks like. Let's dive into like some things that we can do to keep the conversation going. And I would love if we could start with cold call openers. I know that's not always everything, but it's the beginning of after planning. It's the beginning of the actual call when they answer. Do you guys have like a go-to, um, Elmer, you want to kick us off with like, what's your go-to opener? Yeah, first off, it's not about the opener. It's more about the confidence that you go in with it. That's going to come up with like a lot of angry people at, coming at me about that. But I think it's really about the confidence, right? If I just say, hey, Leslie, or the way I literally go about it is like, hey, is this Leslie? And then you say, yes. Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, hey, Leslie, this is Elmer calling from whatever. How are you doing today? It's that simple for me, right? I'm not trying to make it difficult. It's just going with the confidence. Uh, and I think that's what matters most. And once they're like, obviously, they're not going to tell you how they're doing. They're just going to be like, yeah, I'm doing all right. What's up? <laughs> yeah. They obviously want you to get to the point. So I do a really quick pitch from there. And we can probably talk more about that as we continue the conversation. Yeah, for sure. So you're just, it's all about like how you feel walking into the moment. Yeah. Do you do anything? Do you listen to any of these songs? Like, what do you do to like get your confidence going before you pick up the phone? As an AE, I'm just pumped up because I want to close more deals. <laughs> like cash motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I can be money motivated in that sense. As an SDR, um, I'm trying to remember what I was doing to stay pumped up. I was probably listening to some pump up music. I can't remember what it was exactly. Uh, I'd walk around when I do some cold calls too. I still do that now just because sometimes it's not best just to sit there. You feel more confident when you're up, right? When you're standing. Even when I'm doing demos as an AE, like I'll stand up just because I feel more confident in it. Chest out, just the way to do it. <laughs> I agree. And I'm like, when um, I've heard so many people who agree, like you have a standing desk, but how often do you actually put it up and down in a day? You don't have to say, I'm just, you know, give me a, give me a little side nudge. You know, like everyone has a standing desk now or a walking pad. And it's like, how many times do you actually use it? I was having this conversation about like using it at specific times and it's more about like what kind of energy you need for the event or the task at hand. So I like this, like stand up when you're calling, stand up when you're demoing, stand up when you're presenting 
or sit when you're asking very intense questions about what you do to get ready. Leslie, anything you do to like build that confidence or like what's your go-to call opener? Yeah, I mean, the, the confidence is so important. I mean, there, there's two types of call openers that I think are the general ones being taught. Either reason for the call or permission-based openers. Permission-based openers give me the it. Like, I think they are so cringe. I do not think that that is how we speak in normally. Like, do you want to roll the dice or just hang up? <laughs> like, hey, I can't, I can't. And gives me the it. But <laughs> it doesn't really matter because what matters most is somebody having the confidence to pick up the phone. And then when we are communicating, the, the tone with which we communicate often means a lot more than the actual words we are saying. So just because it gives me the ick, if it's working for you, that doesn't matter. With that being said, the data also shows like unequivocally that a relevant reason for the call does have the highest conversion to conversation. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, 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 go ahead. I just wanted to say really quickly, even like uh, when I was first starting as an SDR, because uh, I went from EMT to SDR, so I, I really didn't really have much sales experience, but I had the confidence when I was doing the cold calls, right? And I was able to book meetings without knowing much about the product yet. So I was like, how is this working? And just re-listening to my own calls, I was like, it's definitely the confidence that's in there, even if you don't know the product well. Obviously, you want to know the product well, but that, that's just what was happening back then. Somehow the confidence was helping me book those meetings. Yeah, definitely. I know the reason for my call is tried and true. Elmer, you you hit it on the head when you were like, people don't necessarily answer. They just want you to get to the point of why you're calling. Like, that's what we're all thinking. You get a call from someone, you're like, okay, what do you want? Why are you calling me yeah. for? Like, you're looking for that answer. So if you give them that reason up front, beautiful. Um, I also see like either of you using referrals or being pushed from somewhere else successfully in call openers. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that I have had a lot of success with and granted, um, I spent most of my career either selling or managing teams that were penetrating like fortune 250 C-suite. Um, so, you know, take, take maybe this advice with a grain of salt if it's not meant for you, but going with social proof in the form of name dropping maybe two competitors or two folks that share a geo with them. Um, or if you have a customer advisory board, even if you didn't get that direct referral, say, oh, I see you used to work with insert name of customer advisory board member. I see you're connected on LinkedIn with insert that name and that can become your reason for the call that also has a little dose of that credibility from social proof in there. Yeah, huge. Anything else that like really stands out to you? Anything that you like or don't like? I feel like it's uh, it's cyclical, right? It's like the things that try everything, see what works for you. Leslie, you mentioned like if it if something if something that might be a little bit more permission based is getting you conversations that last longer, like don't check it out the window. But is there something that like you answer the phone and you like to hear from somebody? why it matters to me hmm. yeah i think like my entire sales philosophy is about earning the right and too often when we are starting phone calls we are too busy talking about who i am and my company and what i do and we simply at that point in the conversation have not earned the right 
to ask them to care about those things. And that certainly is part of the reason I'm such a big fan for relevant reason of the call, because it allows us in those first critical first seconds to tell them why it matters to them, why there's going to be value that should, you know, keep them on the phone call for a little bit longer. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, how how is this directly going to affect me versus, yeah, it's about the company, sure, but how is it directly going to affect that person, right? I mean, I do that for trying to close deals because that's what matters in that sense. You want to show them the benefit for that person specifically, but I could see that definitely working for cold calls too. Elmer, when we were chatting ahead of time, you mentioned something really interesting to me that I would love for you to elaborate on. You were saying that like, even if you're having the conversation and they're like hurrying you off the phone, that um, you've seen some success with doing discovery via email. Can you talk a little bit about like that strategy and what that looks like? That was more, so I was doing more discovery via email after I would book the meeting when I was an SDR. But what I realized that I've been doing lately more recently is just like right after I book the meeting and I'm like, hey, looks like we have a fit here. Um, do you want to chat on this XYZ date? Whatever, right? Then they'll be like, yeah, um, what exactly? Maybe they'll ask more questions from there. And we'll continue the conversation. Or they'll just give me a date. And then from there, I'll just be like, oh, also how urgent is this, et cetera, et cetera. I'll, maybe I'll go a little bit deeper into it, but I want to secure a date on the calendar before they try to rush me off the phone. That's my goal. I know that's going to get people mad about it too. It's not necessarily <laughs> trying to get an unqualified old call It's or an unqualified meeting. I'm trying to get a qualified meeting just like everyone else. But also if they're rushing me off the phone, I'm trying to be quick, right? I'm telling them what we're doing. I'm trying to book the meeting. And if I have time, I'm going to try to do discovery as I'm booking the meeting in that moment, right? If not, then I'm going to try to get, well, nowadays, since I have an SDR, I'll try to have the SDR to call back and try to get more information, or I'll uh, try to get some info from like an email or LinkedIn message or whatever. Yeah. Like people are answering asynchronously and you can get some of those questions answered ahead of time to prepare yourself better for that next step. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of these people are actually in a rush. Some of them aren't. Some of them are lying. <laughs> so, uh, some of them definitely don't have meetings starting at 12 minutes yeah. past the hour. Some of them we don't have, have meetings coming up at 849. <laughs> <laughs> you don't set all your meetings at odd moment. Does anyone set their alarm clock at like a really strange time? Yeah. I mean, maybe we should do meetings like that. <laughs> I tried that. Like years ago, I was managing a really large team of full cycle AEs, super transactional sales cycle. So we could test a lot of stuff because it was pretty, you know, like low risk. Um, and we it was a 24 hour sales cycle. So like really fast callback. And we would test calls at like, OK, how about 8.47 a.m.? How about 12.13 p.m.? Um, and it didn't have a positive or a negative effect. I think it was mostly just fun and silly for the team. But yeah. always be testing. You never know what's going to make a difference. Did they laugh true. about it? They did. It, it was it was a pattern interrupt. Like it was memorable. That's a good move. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and I think like also can open up a conversation with the prospect. They're like, what is this? And you can then make some story up. Talk about it's your favorite number. I don't know. Whatever. 
um, objections that come up and more, let's call them deflections. So you're on the cold call. You Like you both mentioned, like maybe they don't have a meeting that they're running off to. Like, what are some of the things that you can do to kind of anticipate or get through those objections on a cold call without having it just end? I, I see so many people, especially with cold calls where it's like, I haven't earned the right yet. I don't want to overstep my boundaries. Like, I don't want to put keep pushing. Um, and they'll just hang up after the first deflection. Any like tips, thoughts there on like how I can overcome an objection before it gets to that point or a deflection? I'm not gonna lie, I've been pretty aggressive about it lately, but it works. Like when they're like, "Oh, I have to run," still on the calendar, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, really quickly." Uh, then I'll ask a question, yeah. and that's just been working for me. Like they'll be like, they'll start talking and they'll just forget about whatever they needed to do because they just started talking to me and they were, I might have piqued their interest, but. That's been working for me to interrupt that. Like a really quick before you go, one last thing, that kind of idea. Yeah, it's like they're like, oh yeah, I gotta go. Just do it on the calendar, or whatever. They'll try to rush you off, and I'll be like, oh yeah, uh, really quickly. Um, how like, where is your interest in this, or something, something along those lines? I know it's different for everyone else, um, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, awesome, Leslie. Anything around that or getting ready for that that you share with your teams that you work with yeah it's also what like one of my most popular training sessions that i deliver for clients is on objection handling um two thoughts one is that folks simply don't practice handling objections enough like it is something that we absolutely if we're cold call if if we're in sales we know we're going to get objections we have a pretty good sense for the ones we are going to hear most often you should be writing out your replies. You should have them handy. So if you panic, you can read them because it is still better to say something than apologize and hang up. So remember that objection handling is not something that should be an afterthought. Like you should practice your objection handling as much as you practice your pitch. Um, but I, I think, Leslie, the, the, the most serious misstep I see, and a lot of it has to do with language, objection handling, overcoming objections, is that we often default to trying to fight the objection. And what is going to work best if you hear an objection is simply trying to continue the conversation. That is your only goal. Don't have overcoming it in your mind. If you get there, amazing. But the number one like metric of success is if somebody tries to brush you off with an objection, you have a chance to continue the conversation. And Elmer nailed it on the head that the number one thing to do is get curious and ask a question. Sure, I can send something over. But first, just to make sure it's a good use of your time, ask a question. Sure, I can send something over. But just to make sure I send the right stuff, what do you even want to see? Having those opportunities in a very non-confrontational, non-salesy way to get curious and keep, you know, keep the chat going is the number one way to tackle objections in, in my experience. Yeah. And after thousands of cold calls that you end up doing, at some point you've heard it all, right? Unless you're going to a new company and then you have to hear it all again, something different. But um, once you're doing thousands of cold calls, you get used to the objections and it comes, it becomes nice and easy to overcome them or even to pattern interrupt them whatever yeah 
something that really stuck with me, and I can't even point to where I heard it from. I'm sure it's a movie. <laughs> um, is that the physiological reaction that we have when we're scared and when we're excited is chemically the same thing. And just like changing my perception about like getting an objection, I used to be like, oh my God, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I'll just hang up now. Goodbye. Like and exit the room. And then just like working through, you know, how can I change my mindset towards something about it being excite like exciting? Like, oh, this is an opportunity. I get to have a conversation now. And I think both of you have said, like, just getting curious and flipping that script. Practicing is so important. Do how do you practice um objections? Do you do it with teammates? Do you write out different options? Like how do each of you kind of go about practicing how you go about objection handling? For me, it's volume. The more volume as an SDR, the more volume I did, the more I learned. Yeah. And like I said, the more I got adjusted to those objections. Um, I mean, if you're a brand new SDR and you're a little nervous to go into it, sure you could practice it. Role play is always a good move. I learned a lot from role playing with other SDRs or managers, et cetera. So if you're, you're, if you're like a brand new SDR, you're a little, yep, you're not used to it yet. I think role playing is a good move, but once you're already in there in the field, it's just volume. Get a yeah. question. Yeah, I, I would even argue that even if you're not brand new, it is still a really good idea yeah. to role play um, so that you can sort of test different things and kind of iterate your strategy. Like I've worked primarily for British companies, so I've gotten to take a lot of holiday during my my professional career. And even after being out for two weeks, like I would come back and role play my pitch and role play objections just to you kind of get in the groove, get in the fill again. Um, but something you said, Leslie, I think is so important and it's around mindset. And my mindset around cold calls and what I worked really hard to instill in my teams is that there's no negative outcome. Like on a cold call, you either have a chance to practice your pitch, right? To Elmer's point, you, you, get, you get better through practice. You have an opportunity to maybe get curious and learn something either about that prospect or maybe more broadly about what is working and what isn't working that you're testing on the phone, what's happening in their industry. Like there are so many opportunities to learn from cold calls. And something that we often fail to do on cold calls is look for ways to help, even if it's not us. So I try to keep that in my back pocket too, that like, yeah, sure, I would love the meeting. I'd love to grow my top of funnel. Like I'd love to get my quota. All of that is um, the tippity top goal. But if I'm truly showing up to the call to help, that makes me a lot more confident. And sometimes helping means recommending them to a competitor or recommending that, you know, recommending a different website or a webinar that they should show up to on a daily basis when you're running. Yeah, that's a good point. Role playing all the time. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, like if you're able to, if your organization records your calls, just going back and listening to those calls and seeing how you could have handled it, handled it if you felt like you didn't do well, mm. or listening to those top performers who really do well with the objections yeah. to see what they're doing there as well. I think those are things to mention too. Great. Al doesn't want to listen to himself over here in the chat. 
if I've seen a few questions, but I miss them scrolling through. If you have a question that didn't get answered, if you could pop it into the Q&A section, we'll head there in just a couple minutes. And also you can upvote. There's a thumbs up button. You can upvote other people's questions. Um, so if you have a question that's similar to someone else and you want to hear it answered, go ahead and press the thumbs up button. The other thing that I'm seeing that's really common, I'm curious your take on it, is I see people either jumping too quickly to book a meeting. I Maybe that's a strategy, right? Is there, um, is there like a checklist of things that you want to have before you go straight to book a meeting? Is there a gauge on interest that you utilize that you're like, hey, now I'm ready. I'm ready to progress to that part of the conversation. I think <laughs> I'm like smirking over here. Like, <laughs> you know, go ahead, Omar. Get off. <laughs> you can go first. Sounds like you're you're, you're ready. <laughs> well, I, I know that the majority of the people on the call are SDR. So this one maybe isn't for you, but I saw that a good 30% of people on the call are sales leaders. Enable your reps to achieve their quota by having extraordinarily clear expectations about what good and qualified looks like. One of the biggest frustrations I hear from SDRs and when I am working with teams, one of the, the biggest points of failure is not having an extraordinarily clear qualification process and not enabling your reps to understand like what questions need to be asked before they're even sure it is worth it for the prospect to take a meeting. And this goes back to earning the right and centering your prospect. But like, yes, we know what our KPIs are, but let's not waste the prospect's time and let's not waste our AE's time shoving meetings into the calendar unless we're like, you don't have to be 100% sure. That's unrealistic. But like, let's be 75% sure that it's a good use of both parties' times. I'm going to say this because as someone who was an SDR eight months ago, I think, and then became an AE now, I guess, um, as an SDR, yeah, well, I guess eight months of experience as an AE now. I don't know. It's timelines are confusing. <laughs> uh, but eight months ago, I was an SDR. So as an SDR, I would say it can be difficult because they're just trying to, they are just trying to get you off the phone. It's, it is quick sometimes. So as an SDR, it is hard. That's why that's why sometimes I say, okay, maybe qualify the rest of it over email, but at least still try to qualify it, of course. Um, but my goal as an SDR was to book the meeting, right? And it's tough in that sense as an SDR because you have that big quota goal and sometimes they are down for the meeting and they're really in a rush. So sometimes you just book it and that's how it was as an SDR. And as an AE, it it is a little different, but I qualify them on a call regardless since we have to do pretty in-depth discovery no matter what, right? Um, I think, like you were saying, as long as they're somewhat qualified and there is obviously an interest there, I think that's what matters. But not fully doing like six plus discovery questions on a call. I know some orgs require that and I just couldn't fully make sense of that completely. I think, uh, like I said, there just needs to be some kind of urgency, some kind of interest, and that's really it. As an AE, I have to qualify them anyways. As an SDR, it's tough. Yeah, but you were not the one deciding that those were the metrics that mattered. That you, were, you as the SDR, were not making the strategic decision 
that like your primary key result area was getting in as many meetings as possible. That was coming down from mm. your leadership and the strategy yeah. they sent, which is why it's not it's not yeah. an accusation against STRs, folks. Yeah, I've made over a hundred thousand cold calls in my life. I know what it feels like to be yeah. on a phone and you're doing your level best. But I think leadership often fails. Yeah. SDRs and being really clear about what the expectations are and what good looks like. And the result is either they're putting stuff in the calendar that then pisses the AEs off and ends up wasting time, right? Like, then that creates tension. Um, Or maybe the other side, they're overqualifying and potentially losing leads because they're adding too much friction. Mm. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Yeah, because sometimes they'll set unrealistic quota expectations, which I'm not going to doubt any orgs, but I've been in part of orgs that they do set unrealistic expectations where none of us were hitting quota. Like, how are you going to expect that and expect them to still get really good meetings when you have some expectation of like 40 booked meetings a month or something like that and no one's doing it? So people are freaking out just trying to set up as many meetings as they can, not thinking about the quality of it whatsoever. So that's a pretty good point. Except for the LinkedIn influencer in my inbox promising me 30 to 50 qualified meetings a month every month. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hearing, I'm hearing that like having some sort of like clarity around what great looks like is important for both of you. And like, if I could distill one question that I'm hearing from from both of you is after you book it, can you answer um, why are they going to show up? Like, why are they going to show up to the next step? And if you can answer that confidently with words that they said, not dots that we're connecting in our own head, then like you have a pretty good picture, a pretty good example. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. We do have a couple of like, Sound bites, but I want to get there's some great questions in here. Um, upvotes, questions in the QA. I want to share just like a couple things that both of you mentioned are ways that you can move into that booking conversation. So just real quick, um, what's your favorite way to like ask for the meeting, Leslie? Uh, favorite way is repeating the number one thing that I think will get them excited about booking the meeting to remind them. And then asking them to open their calendar while we are on the call because that increases. Love it. Elmer, favorite thing? Yeah, I keep it simple. Um, Well, look, I definitely see the fit here. How about we set up some time for you so you can see the platform for 10 to 15 minutes. Um, And usually I show them, I give them the time that I have on my calendar and the other say yes or no. Uh, And I'll just be like, can you please click yes on that so I can know that you're actually going to show up. Sometimes they'll laugh about it and uh, they'll just do it anyways. And regardless, you do want to say that because that uh, that gets it a little bit more sticky too. Yeah. Like, no, seriously, click, click. Yeah, no, but seriously, click yes. <laughs> I want to know that you're showing up. You're like, I'm waiting right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's jump into Q&A. Um, so both of you, if you could just give like your quick feedback on any of these. Melissa asked, do you ask them if they're the right person to speak with at the beginning of your call before you go into a quick pitch? I'm seeing no. Why not? Uh, that's your responsibility to have done before the you pick up the phone. Yeah, you're qualifying them beforehand, right? Like that you should already know that technically. Maybe if you're on the enterprise level, I could see how it could be a little bit more difficult. But like an, as an enterprise SDR, I could see how it could be a little bit more difficult. 
Uh, but you should be doing that research beforehand for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that it's been used as a technique in the past too. So like just it's, it is similar to a permission base, right? Like, are you the right person? They're, they're saying that the yes to you ahead of time, you already know they're the right person. But I think a lot of people are seeing through that now that it is a tactic or it's a, you know, getting them to say yes um, first. So maybe it's overused. I don't know. I mean, most good things work at like, right? Like most of these things worked at one time. They were best practice. We overdid it. Our prospects are smart. They see through it. And now they, you know, now it is our responsibility to to embark on that process of con- like continuous improvement so that we are always finding the new best way to communicate with our prospects. And that one does not work anymore. I like to hear it. Okay. Jack says, Leslie V. <laughs> Interesting point about being critical of permission-based openers. Do you mind giving an example of a uh, opener that's the reason for the call without being permission-based? Yeah, for sure. Um, so let me give you an example that would allow you to do a territory segmentation and then and then replay the same sort of call opener again and again. One that I love to do is pulling a quote from the CEO Uh, off of usually like an earning statement or at the beginning of the year, usually CEOs have a big statement. So it's something that you can be pretty sure most organizations you're calling into that are public have. And it's hint, always going to be about growth. So working of some sort of call opener um, with their CEO's name, that's going to be the only thing that you change. I saw your insert CEO's name um, talking about their growth goals for 2024. And then you have to be very sure that you know how that's going to impact the person you're talking to, HR, marketing, finance. So I assume that means, and then you're going to insert what you think the CEO's growth goal means to them, how it's going to impact them. That's a pretty good way to catch their attention because it's CEO's name. So it seems personalized. It's relevant and specific to them. So I, I like going with something like that as a pretty tried and true method. Yeah. So you're sharing, this is why I'm reaching out to you, but you're not asking for permission to open the call. Basically you're saying, you're just saying, this is why I'm, this is why I'm here. Yeah. I usually ask for permission around second 30. So I'll go in with relevant reason for the call. And then I will pivot to get permission to continue speaking so that I'm not just bulldozing with something like, um, you know, assume this is worth a chat, like the same kind of CTA lights we use on emails. Assume this is worth a chat. Makes sense to have a conversation about this right now. And then once you get that permission, it lowers that barrier a lot where we're pivoting from them to feeling like they're being sold to, to feeling like we're just having a value-based conversation. Awesome. Elmer, do you use a specific formula for your pitch after they give you time to listen how do you continue the conversation that comes from Christiana? yeah so one more time do you have a specific formula for your pitch like after they say yeah i've got 27 seconds or whatever your opener line is right um how do you like do you have a formula for how you tell them about zoom info in this case yeah i mean so after they say like yeah, go ahead and talk, essentially. It's like, they basically yeah. give you the permission. Yeah. Uh, you, you can go into a quick pitch um, if you want. Like, so with Zoom Info, it's a little different. Uh, for me, I'll be talking about buyer intent. I'll be like, hey, I can actually see the com- 
there's actually some interest from these specific companies uh, in your guys' services today. I just want to see if you guys were looking for more business. And I mean, that's easy for me. I know it's not going to be the same for everyone else. Everyone has different companies. Everyone's selling something different. That's easy for me because then obviously they're going to be like, yeah, of course I'm looking for more business. Or sometimes they will say no though because they're getting a lot of referrals or they're getting a lot of inbounds already. Um, But it's going to be different for every single uh, business that you work for. It's going to be different for every company, but that's what I use today. Okay. So it's... um it's a little pitch, but it it's ending in an open-ended question or, well, that one was an open-ended, but like it's ending in a question that's specifically focused on whether or not you're going to continue the conversation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they are looking for a new business, great. I just got your answer because you're right. obviously full with leads. That's great. But if you are, I have these companies who have been searching for your services with buyer intent, right? Uh, these are some high quality leads that you could be targeting today, right? So that makes it nice and easy for me. Again, it's different for everyone else. Everyone has different products they're selling. But similar formula. Leslie, anything that you would like add to that or change in terms of like a how to approach a cold call after they're like, yeah, go ahead. What do you got? No, just questions. Just please, please make sure that you are asking questions. I, I mean, if anybody's ever seen my LinkedIn, the entire headline is talk with your prospects instead of at them. And frankly, I think the SDR role is the hardest one to like, it is much easier to do that as an AE than it is an SDR because so much of the SDR job does require us to maintain a lot of control of the conversation. Um, So make sure that you are figuring out how to strike that balance where you are getting a little bit curious and not just like bulldozing the entire conversation to get the thing that you want with no sort of, you know, care about what makes sense for them. Yeah, I think like that curiosity piece is such a good softener in this. I saw someone else asking about like softening with that. Um, So if you're genuinely curious and you want to learn about what they're sharing with you, that will not make it like a flashlight interrogation moment. You're just more conversational. Easy good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> more com- brain work. Just be more conversational. Sound bite of the. <laughs> yeah. Easy, more easy, guys. <laughs> um, t- just don't make it awkward. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, to wrap this up, we're coming up to the end of our time. Could I just get one quick, like, what's your top number one piece of advice for people who are cold calling on a daily basis? What do you got, Elmer? Stand up, walk, be confident. If you're not confident, you're not going to book those meetings. They could hear it in your voice. Um, that's it. Yeah. Let's yeah. What you got? Uh, be okay being bad at it. Wait, like I know that, but right, I know that might seem counterintuitive. Um, but cold calling is is tough. It is a craft, which means that it takes time to master. So. Be, be okay. Don't let it stop you if you are not great at it when you are just getting started as an SDR with a new product or in a new company. Like it, it is okay if it takes you a little bit of time, a little bit of work flexing that muscle to master the skill. Don't give up. Keep going. I love that. 
Yeah, really beautiful. Um, I also really love Jack's comment in the chat here that prospects can smell your fear. So it is like being okay with that. Just like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up, commission breath. I'm gonna walk around. I'm gonna like be comfortable with who I am. I'm gonna make some cold calls today. It's gonna happen, right? Um, I want to share Leslie and Elmer's information here, you guys. Leslie's YouTube channel, it's where it's at. You got to check it out. She has some specific goals around growing her YouTube network. Let's not let her down. So we got her YouTube channel in here. Elmer is dropping fabulous tips on LinkedIn on a regular basis, talking about his own experience, his journey from SDR to AE, continuing to bring us along there. And then I just want to say thank you. Thank you both for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for um, hopping onto the show. You're part of this movement. We're trying to bring awesome people and connect them with the sales world so that we can all share best practices and learn and grow together. So thanks for being here for our one-year anniversary. And uh, join us. We have another show every single day. The one tomorrow is um, Caroline is hosting and she's talking about persistence, positive persistence. So check it out at sellbetter.xyz. Share with your friends, with your team, with your network. We so appreciate you. Leslie Elmer, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. That was fun. Happy selling. Happy cold calling. (laughs) 